Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff actionable marketing podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. My guest today was recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama and a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 35 by the United Nations. So he's already... He's only three years older than me, but he's much more of a big deal than me already. Um, he's the founder of Crazy Egg, uh, Kissmetrics, that he co-founded with Heaton Shah. Everyone in digital marketing has heard of him. I uh, use his product or check his blog. Super happy to have you, Neil Patel, on, on board. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. So you've, you've done this challenge before, like I think three years ago, right? You've done this $100,000 challenge in 12 months where you would generate $100,000 with a blog in, in, in one year. So I have a slightly different one for you right now. Let's say I give you $1,000, right? You can't use your name, you can't use your reputation, and you can't really use tactics that are unlikely to work in two to five years, right? So you can only focus on marketing tactics that you know will kind of always work because they are rooted in people's behavior and you need to 10x your return, right? So $1,000, you can't use your name and only use kind of timeless tactics. How would you do it? So the, the one thing I would do is, and I would have to create a business that makes money, correct? Or I create a side yes. or something that makes money. Correct. The one thing I would start off with is a funnel, okay? You're familiar with McDonald's, you're familiar with, you know, when you go to a checkout, I don't know the last time you ate at McDonald's, but do you remember them asking you, would you like fries with that? Would you like a drink with that? Would you like to supersize? Mm -hmm. That's a upsell, which you know of and your audience knows of. But McDonald's has been doing this since you know the very beginning. Now, on the internet, very few people are doing upsells and downsells. But with upsells and downsells, you can get more money out of each and every single customer. Now, there's tools like ClickFunnels that allow you to create upsells and downsells. Uh, you don't have to be a developer. You can do it for less than a thousand bucks because they have a trial and they have a monthly plan. And then from there, what I would do is, you know, once you create a funnel of a product or service that works that you like, go to Facebook, look at all the ads in your space because Facebook has a library. It shows you people's ads. It also shows you their funnels. If someone's consistently running ads for a very long time, that'll give you a good idea of what's working, what's not working. And you would want to adapt your funnel to be something similar to theirs. And you'd want to make your ads similar as well. And that's how I'd get my start. When you run the ads, assuming you know, you're you generating uh, sales right away, which you should in your product or service, you have to keep in mind, you don't have to pay your credit card till 30 days later. So that also buys you some time on the thousand bucks. Right. And that's something that you, you keep repeating in your content, right? You like this idea of following what other people are doing, what competitors are doing, other companies are doing and reverse engineer their success so you can make it work for you. Right. So the first part, let me go back to it a bit about the funnel. So from your perspective, what is a typical journey, a typical funnel that seems to kind of always work because it's rooted in user psychology, what people like, what seems to be the kind of the best shape funnel or the best funnel out there? It, it varies, but the best funnel that I've seen is anything that's drastically unique or different than what people are experiencing. For example, Frank Kern released a free book funnel, free book, you pay for shipping and handling or you pay for handling. Uh, and then from there, he upsells and downsells you into many different core offers. 
That, for example, to me is amazing funnel. Another good example of this is Russell Brunson with ClickFunnels. He teaches you how you can make a business out of a box, and he teaches you how you can, how normally to create a business, it's hard, but with ClickFunnels, you can do it in less than 10 seconds, you know, or 10 minutes or whatever the number is. He shows you ClickFunnels, he shows you how to do it, and then from there, within the ClickFunnels interface, when you buy it, there's a checkout bump, there's a little tick box where you get another offer for something that's really high value for a low price, which helps improve that cart value, also pays for some of the paid advertising, and then he adds in upsells and downsells. But the big thing is, is this is what I would do if I have a short period of time and $1,000. If my budget wasn't restricted and I have more time, I would do something totally different. Um, for example, what I'm doing with Uber suggests is something that I believe is super disruptive in the marketing industry. And I would do more things like that, assuming I have more time and more money because I believe that produces a much higher ROI as long as you're willing to be patient. It's totally backwards and the opposite of what most marketers think. But, you know, um, based on all the financials and the numbers that we're crunching, it looks like it pans out very nicely. So here you're talking about using technology, giving it away for free to acquire people on the top of your funnel, right? Yeah, so think of it this way. There's Google algorithm updates, there's Facebook algorithm updates, your traffic goes up or down. You know, there was an update in June, some people lost traffic, some people gained traffic, and it'll keep going on for life. But, you know, I have this tool Uber suggests, and uh, Uber suggests to give you an idea, over the last 30 days, I had 500, and I'm actually loading up the stats right now on my computer, Right. In the last right. 30 days, I had, let's see. All right. In the last 30 days, I had 516,000 unique users who visited the site, who used the tool 1.6 million times. The average person uses the tool 3.26 times per month. And those users generated 9.7 million page views. Average time on site is seven minutes and 38 seconds. Bounce rate is 29.47. All right. So right. here's right. what's interesting. In the last five days, my team released a feature on Uber Suggest, which would allow you to do local keyword research. So Uber Suggest is just a, another SEO tool. It's a copycat of Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush. You guys get the point. So, but instead of charging, I just gave it away for free. In the last five days, my team released a local keyword feature so that way when you do a search, you can do a search for a keyword and get volume data, et cetera, based off the of local results. But it broke the tool. We found out yesterday night, even though it broke the tool and a lot of it was broken, I still had my best Monday yesterday. I still had my best Sunday the day before, right? Mm -hmm. It just shows the power of free. Now imagine I can keep releasing more and more stuff for free more Facebook tools for free, social media tools for free, uh, email marketing tools for free, unlimited email sends, unlimited marketing automation, no cost. When you start doing things like that, what do you think happens? You disrupt the market. And then you just come up with a better way to monetize. And, and in a sense, this is, this is a funnel that is much more obviously expensive to make, but it's very efficient for you. So I suppose this technology you're building for free is that at the very top of your funnel, you attract people who search for SEO tools, don't want to pay, they use it, you build trust this way. And then what is the next step? So do you 
what do you wish for those people to, to do, to, to, to uh, buy your consulting services? What do you wish people to do after they've used the tool? There's two things, actually. The first is during Google algorithm updates, some people are losing traffic. And I'm showing you, I'm not relying on any algorithm update. Even when my tool's half broken, my traffic still goes up, right? Let that sink in for a minute. No marketing, free tool, even when it doesn't work all the time. And I fixed it. It should work all the time now. My traffic still goes up. Think about how powerful that is. No paid ads, nothing, just word of mouth, right? That's mm -hmm. powerful for marketing. I don't have to do pop-ups. I don't have to do register i don't have to do give me your email just naturally it's growing the second thing is there's better ways to monetize than people monetize right now i'll give you a good example of this if i have 500,000 users okay and i can get a half a percent to pay that would be 2,500 new paid signups per month Mm -hmm. Let's say they pay 50 bucks on average and they last nine months. Mm -hmm. That would be $1.1 uh, $1 million per month, roughly $13.5 million per year. These software companies with high churn, you know, even if they have good growth, they're worth maybe 6x revenue, so $81 million bucks. Okay. Now, on the flip side, I have 500,000 users. 10% of my audience is in the United States, all right? Mm -hmm. That's only 50,000, so I'm only taking a portion because right now we're focusing on the U.S. market. 50,000 of those, I can get roughly 15% to be leads, name, email address, consulting leads, et cetera, so 7,500 leads. My sales team can close roughly 4%. That's 300 deals. Now, let's give a low end number. I'm just doing pencil math. I'm not saying these are the reality, but sure. let me just give you for low end conservative numbers. Let's say average customer pays $2,000 a month and they stay for 10 months. That would be 6 million a month over a year. That'd be 72 million. You see how 72 million is much greater than 13.5 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's just monetizing 10% of the traffic. Now the other 90% may not convert the same, but you can easily see how that could be a nine-figure business. So I'm sure listeners listening to you right now say, okay, that's all well and good, but you're Neil Patel, you have money to put behind those free tools. How do I do it myself then if I want to build a funnel like this? Should I start with the first funnel you mentioned, this type of funnel where you sell a service, a product, you scale, and then you start investing in free technology, give away stuff for free so people trust you and then later on convert? Let me first clarify something. So when I broke down the numbers, my intention with the tool isn't to necessarily monetize or make money from people. The reason I created the tool is I just believe tools are too expensive and shit should just be for free. Excuse mm -hmm. my language, but That's I have no monetization plan. Uh, the point I was trying to make is if you're trying to monetize, do you see how my number in that funnel is way better than the original concept that most people in the industry are using, mm -hmm. right? It's just basic math. And again, my intention isn't to necessarily try to make money or anything like that. This was done as a fun project for me. I have no intentions, no goals. So if someone is trying to do something similar, yes, they may not have the capital, they may not have the resources, but one, you can start off smaller. There's a lot of people out there who build small, simple tools for five, 10 grand, get a lot of traction and go from there. The guy who built Uber Suggest was a developer, probably didn't spend more than a few thousand dollars. I bought it from him. 
you can partner with the developer and get a lot of this done for free. A lot of neat tools get traction without much investment at all. The second thing to keep in mind is if you don't want to do that and you want to go hard and go fast, there's a lot of people who invest money into startups and companies. If you have something that's disruptive, you know, go for it. Do whatever it takes to succeed and do whatever it takes to win. And if that means you have to raise money, do that. Um, Peter Thiel, who was one of the first investors in Facebook, uh, Creative Founders Fund was early on, or I believe one of the founders of PayPal as well. He had this con- he has this concept in his book in which if you're not a monopoly, you're not winning. So think of disruptive models when you're trying to build a funnel that's so disruptive, you can really shake things upside down and just drastically uh, change the way things convert. And one way for you to do this is most SEO tools are paid, are, are like you need to pay 200 bucks, 300 bucks a month. The way you want to disrupt, the way you are disrupting it is basically giving away the same features for free, right? What are the other? And a more simpler user interface. Uh-huh. How yeah. many of these SEO tools are easy to use for a newbie? Honestly, not yeah, many, right? For a newbie, if no, yeah. If you're an advanced marketer, no problem. What's funny is like when I use Ahrefs, it's really easy for me to use because I've been using it for years. Same with SEMrush. But for beginners, they don't necessarily feel that way. Now, granted, these tools aren't necessarily targeting beginners, and they've created amazing tools and they've done a good job. But being disruptive and being like SEO tools should no longer cost when everyone does SEO, that's hugely disruptive, especially if I keep releasing more stuff. Like, for example, in the next 30 days, I'll release a dashboard where you can track your progress uh, you can track your rankings and everything completely full, uh, completely free. So, and this is this is another way for you to disrupt it. Not only you give it for free, but you also know your audience. I mean, this is clear for you in your blog, YouTube videos and all of that. You really target the newbies, people who are starting out in digital marketing, and you know that what they are looking for is an easy tool against the more advanced, more sophisticated, more complex tools out there. What other... Are- Here's an interesting stat for you. Did you know that the majority of the tools that Fortune 1000 companies use are free? Employees at these companies? Do you know why? Nope. Because even if you work for Microsoft, doesn't mean you can spend $99 on Ahrefs or SEMrush or anywhere or any tool. You have to go through approval processes, et cetera, right? Right. So exactly. they tend to start with the free tools first. So whether someone's a newbie or advanced user or works at a company, the chances are they're going to use a tool that is free first. Why? Because you don't have to get approval. Then later on, they may get approval to use a paid tool or they may just keep using your free tool. And this is very this is very true of like let's say free tools where you use it, you know, you start using it on the side with your Gmail account, you play it for play with it for a while on your side project and then when you're ready, you ask your boss or your manager for approval for it because you've already used it and you know all about it, right? Exactly. So there's one thing I want to come back to that you mentioned briefly. You said, you know, now I offer free tools um and I don't need to use pop-ups. I don't need to use any of that on my website, right? And to be honest, Neil, I have actually noticed a difference in your website in the, li- in the last kind of few days compared to maybe last year or two years ago, right? So two years ago, I actually used the Wayback Machine to triple check if my memory was, was correct. Two years ago, you had this kind of webinar offer at the very top that tell you, you know, if you don't sign up before the end of the day, you're going to miss out. 
you had this little icon notification at the bottom right that says, you know, here is a notification, check it out. You had this pop-up on exit. If I'm looking at your website today, I don't see any of those anymore. Hey, you don't have the webinar. I still have pop-ups though. I have a quiz at the end. I have a spin the wheel sometimes on the left side. So I do still have some pop-ups, but not on every page. So my new marketing philosophy is disrupt the market. Just provide more value for free. And not just in SEO, but in anything inbound marketing. And then eventually figure out a way to make it all work in the long run. But just disrupt the market and do what's, put the user first and do what's best for them. And I found that when you do that, as cliche as it may sound, you naturally grow. See, as marketers, I've been skewed. I've always been like, SEO is the best. Pay-per-click is the best. Social media marketing. The real solution is none of this. The real solution is you create a good product or service so you don't have to do much to market it. Now, it is expensive to do that, but marketing has become so expensive. See, when I started getting into SEO and content marketing, I did it years ago because I couldn't afford paid advertising. But now, even SEO, paid advertising, everything is so expensive. It's cheaper for me to invest those marketing dollars to disrupt and create a free tool than it is to pay for the ads. And is that, is that what made you change your mind? Because I can see in the way you're explaining it that there was clearly a trigger, something that made you realize the value of focusing on giving value for free, focusing on the user instead of focusing maybe on the channel or squeezing every conversion possible or every sign-up possible out of your website. What was the trigger? Like what made you realize that this was better? So I have a guy on my biz dev team and he goes and he reaches and he tries to buy companies for me. And one of those companies was Uber Suggest, and he was digging around. We were looking at the data. Did you know where Uber Suggest got most of their traffic from before I acquired them? If you had to take a guess, where would you think? Maybe an obscure forum used by a few people, something like that. I don't know, man. So thousands and thousands of websites blogged about Uber Suggest and linked to them. Oh, yeah, right. okay, okay. That wasn't the main traffic source. The main traffic source was people just going direct to the site or Googling Uber Suggest. That's what made it very clear to me that if you build something people love, you don't really have to market it. They market it for you. You don't have to build links. People just write about it for you. So then that's when I came up with the notion of I should buy this. I should just do this 10 times more and 10 times better. And so that was the trigger. Like, was it when, when did you buy the tool? Two years ago? A year ago? When was it? Roughly two years. And so do you think two years ago, that was really the change in your philosophy towards marketing? Do you think that was really the trigger that made you change things? It was a start. It didn't happen overnight. You know, what ended up happening is when I did experiments and I tried to make Uber suggest more and more free and more and more better. And I saw the trend continue. I'm like, wait, this experiment is actually working. Because the way my brain operates is even though I think something is the right thing or this is where the future is going, I then have to test it to validate my ideas. And then after I did it with Ubersuggest, I started doing it in other sectors and spaces. And then I noticed the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, wait, this model works. Mm. Um, mm. And I didn't come up with this model. You know, one of the companies who created this and was doing this back in the day was HubSpot. HubSpot grew by just releasing things like their HubSpot Grader tool, free email signature generator. I just did one better instead of saying, hey, let me give a mediocre tool. Um, and I'm not saying HubSpot's a mediocre tool, but they're free stuff. They don't care to put too much emphasis on their greater, um, but their free version of HubSpot is amazing. But I just decided to go better and I'm like, let me not do freemium. Let me just do a free tool straight up with no strings attached. Makes sense. So on the back of that, then 
I, I, I can I can see the difference in philosophy to, uh, in, in today compared to a few years ago. And I've, I've researched a lot about you, obviously, for this interview, uh, looked at a few people who know you personally. And a lot of them are saying that you are like one of the hardest working, most generous guy out there, right? From an outside perspective, I know also a lot of marketers who would say that they don't necessarily like the aggressive nature of certain pop-ups you have. You've also tried a few ads that some people find offensive. I know, I think you know which one I'm talking about. You know, this Playmate that you've put on an ad uh, saying that you taught her to make money without taking her, uh, taking off uh, her clothes. Uh, and another aspect that, that some people mentioned was the fact that you used to have some articles that were kind of using the same copy than other articles on the internet and they didn't really like that. But am I right to say that, do you have regrets about using those tactics or do you feel like, no, that's part of business. See, I, I, it, I look at marketing as experimentation. You try a lot of things, you find what works, and then you go from there. Some things you learn that you shouldn't do or aren't good. Some things you find that, hey, people may not like. For example, pop-ups. If people don't like them, they can close them or they don't have to come back to the site. Keep in mind, the marketers who are complaining aren't my target audience, right? So mm -hmm. you also have to look at feedback and not just look at, hey, what are people in the industry saying? You have to look at what your ideal customers are saying. If 10 marketers say Neil Patel sucks and most marketers don't like me, which is fine, you know, does it bother me? Not really. Do I still, do I hate those marketers? Not at all. I have no regret to them. If they post something that I like, I'll share it. Even if they say something bad about me, I'll still say something nice about them. I've had marketers who have trashed me online and I've had people who have hit me up being like, do you know so-and-so? I'm interested in buying their company. I'd be like, sure, let me do an introduction. I don't ask for anything. I, I just believe you treat people fairly. If people hate me, that's fine as well. But I keep in mind that these people aren't my ideal customers. I optimize for my customers. If you're running a business and 100 people told you you suck and we don't like your tactics, but they were, whether they liked you or they hated you, they would never give you a dollar. Would you really care what they think versus your ideal customers? Yeah, I get you. You said something quickly and I want to go back to, why do you say that marketers don't like you? You already know the answer. They think I'm aggressive. They don't like my marketing tactics. Some will get mad at me that I release Uber Suggest for free. Like I release Uber Suggest for free. You mentioned that, oh, this is great. A lot of people say I'm generous for it. On the flip side, I can show you not one or two. I can show you dozens and dozens of articles from other marketers who say, I suck. I release a shitty free tool. You know, I shouldn't be doing this. I have a different motive. I can show you the opposite of people telling me I'm shady and I created a terrible tool. You know, and then I can also show you responses to people being like, stop complaining. You may not like the tool, but it's free. What other tool does all of this for free? Like, there's always going to be both sides of the table. You're never going to please everyone. Especially in marketing, right? And do you, does it, does it bring you down sometimes? Or are you just in the momentum? You just do your stuff, do your podcast, do your YouTube video, your LinkedIn videos, your articles. Do you, do you just mute everything that is just not really relevant to you? Or does it still kind of affect you? It used to bring me a lot more down when I was younger. Um, but over time, I've learned to mute it out and focus on the end consumer and try to do what's best for them. Whether I love whether marketers or other people hate me or love me, if I do what's best for the user, hopefully I'll make their lives better. Whether they hate me or love me, still that's up to them. 
but hopefully I'm making their lives a bit better. And if I can get them more traffic, make people more successful without having to pay money, it makes me happy even if people don't like me. And to go back to the question I asked you about regrets, like, so if I summarize what you said, you have, you have no regrets running those experiments, right? You have no regrets running those ads or, or, or trying those stuff out. Look, you, you live and learn. Some things I, I, I wish I didn't do, but instead of living in regret, I can't change that. I don't dwell in the past. You know, you, you take your licks, you take your wounds, you adapt, you say your sorries, you learn from them, and you just keep pushing forward. Keep in mind, no matter what, though, you'll never please everyone. And that's an important lesson for people to understand. So most of us, I mean, I know you through your LinkedIn videos, through your YouTube videos, through your blog posts, right? And there's a theme that I keep seeing is you're in front of a white background. Uh, even during your promo video, it's, 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 it's not from your desk, your real desk or anything like this from buildings uh, and all of that. So it made me think it's difficult, I think, to get to know the real you, the authentic Neil Patel behind, behind the screens, because you have a very, very good marketing strategy where you have this strong public persona. So I was thinking, can you tell us and tell me something about you, like personally speaking, that you haven't shared anywhere before? I've actually shared quite a bit on my personal life. Um, a, a lot of things don't know I have a child. So that's one thing. So a lot of some people do know I have a kid. What else? I'm OCD. You know, when I go through the airport, you know how they make you take off your shoes? Mm -hmm. I try to put booties over my socks because I don't want them to get dirty. Um, I'm a bit quirky, you know, but yeah, I just I'm an average Joe. There's nothing special about me. I've got to where I am by just cranking and working hard. I make mistakes. I need to continually improve. I need to do better by my customers. I need to always be the best that I can. It's just going to take a while and I can always improve and get better. I appreciate your honesty. You said you're quirky. Give me an example of that. So, sometimes when, like I was at the grocery store the other day and, you know, I was with my wife and one of my friends and they're grocery shopping and they were laughing at me because I was just walking in circles, staring in the middle, uh, you know, in the middle of the grocery aisle, staring mm -hmm. at the ceiling and just thinking, you know, I was just like, I don't know why I was doing that. I just do that a lot of times, <laughs> but things like that. I don't know. It's just, I'm a bit off here and there. You're, you're thinking of Ubersuggest uh, again and what's a new feature you want to <laughs> offer for free. So what's next for you then? If you talked about your vision and, and focusing on the user, giving stuff away for free, where can, what can we expect next from you? Yeah, um, it, for me, I would just, I'm just trying to create more marketing tools and try to disrupt more and more people. Not really looking for anything, just trying to disrupt more industries in marketing, more companies, and provide the best experience for users and ideally not charge a dime. That's my goal. So what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? The easiest way to get a ton of traffic is to disrupt. Don't think about a channel, think about disruption. Most marketers think of, can I leverage this tactic? Can I leverage this channel? Think of disruption. How can you disrupt a whole category? It's the easiest way to market a business. What are the top three resources you'd recommend listeners today? So it could be anything, right? Books, podcasts, anything. Sure. Um, Backlinko.com. I love Brian Dean. His uh, content's amazing. Larry Kim, he puts out a lot of good information. Smart entrepreneur and marketer. Um, and of course, you can check out all my stuff at neilpatel.com. 
Yeah, that was the question I wanted to ask you last, but I guess you said it. So neilpotet.com, you have Ubersuggest, any other tools you want to share to our audience? That's it. You can also try out a lot of the competing tools like Ahrefs, SEMrush. They're all good tools. You know, Moz, they're not bad. I'm not trying to say I'm better than anyone else. So you can try them all out. Cool. Well, Neil, I appreciate you sharing some stuff honestly with me, sharing your the vision, the mistakes you made in the past. I think people really enjoyed the interview. So once again, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content is coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.